Welcome to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Micah Horvath. This podcast exists to share the stories of everyday people, to discuss the difficult moments in life, the amazing triumphant times, and the winding journey in between. We all have a story to tell, and we hope this podcast helps you in telling your own. In this episode, Kip and I sat down with friend and pastor Travis Jones. Travis tells us about how he accepted Christ at an early age and how that shaped what the rest of his life looked like. He also shares about his time in the mission field, his brief time boxing, and how some of the most silly ideas are often the ones that pay off the most. But, as we say, we'll let him tell you his story. So I, uh, from Texas, and um, several things, I would say uh, I grew up in a town called Forney, Texas, east of Dallas, F-O-R-N-E-Y. You can look it up. Uh, often, it's quite, it's funny because people from our church, if they're driving through Forney, they take pictures of it and send it to me. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> but it's funny. But um, it's Forney, and... Um, so I was there um, growing up, I guess, in the early 80s, and so it was a really small town. It's grown a lot. But um, So my parents were divorced, and so my mother actually lived more in, on the, the coast in Orange, Texas. And so I would spend some time with my mother. I would spend some time with my father in Forney, Texas. Um, so um, I was with my dad, and I remember we lived on Melody Lane, and uh, a friend of mine down the street invited me to the local Baptist church, First Baptist Forney, Texas. And he invited me there specifically. This is what I remember. Now, memories can be flawed. You forget, and then you also can even um, put imprints that never happened. But this is my story today. This is what I remember. Um, he asked me to come specifically because um, they were having um, hot dogs, man. And that's what I remember, hot dogs. Dude, got hot dogs. Everybody like hot dogs and the hot dogs. So we go down there to the First Baptist Church to get our hot dogs, but I remember um, eating my hot dog and all that stuff. And then it's a whole thing. Many Christians have seen something similar to this. Um, they sit you down, and uh, they share the gospel with you. And uh, I heard it, and, um, and the Lord convicted me. And it's one of those deals. They still, I'm sure, do it today. I think it was pretty much the way it was done all the time back then but you know uh if you want would you like to repent of your sins and believe in jesus christ your lord and savior raise your hand i raised my hand the people who raised their hands you follow john to this room and uh, you follow john and then he explains more to you and you pray and so that's that that was um that that's when when the lord saved me now the question is i think and i praise god that that man stood before me and told me the gospel um i think the question often is um well well you were younger then um, was that when you got saved, you know, what happened? And, and all, can someone that, 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 that age get saved? Here's what I say, man. Um, first, um, um, all I know is I was presented with the truth, and then I responded in the affirmative way, and I believe the Lord saved me. Now, after, I don't believe he did. He saved me. And you get guys who get older, and I get people in my office and they'll sometimes give the testimony, you know what, I now, so they get saved, say, when they're eight, right? And then um, they, fought, they, they, they live a life not as true as they could, and then they learn more about the Lord, 
and um, they'll come. They'll say, "Man, I don't, I, I don't know," and I'm not trying to judge anyone because I don't know their story. But they'll say, "I now understand more," so um, I, I think I need to, um, you know, maybe you know, do I don't know. But I think we fool. I think I think we're 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 kidding ourselves as we think. Just because I now understand more about sanctification than I did when I was eight years old does not mean that I actually, um, I'm trying to say this, that, that, that my original um, confession of faith wasn't genuine, right? Because in light of it, the deepest theologian that we have alive today, really, his knowledge of God, the Father of infinite glory, um, is quite small, small right? It's like one ant telling another ant he's small. So, um, no, the Lord, the Lord saved me, and I praise his name. So, so now my family didn't go to church or, any, really, or anything like that. Um, and so I didn't really grow, but then the Lord and his faithfulness. So I got to high school, got my license. I met some Christian guy, a Christian guy, and, and the Lord just, um, man, he just really took hold of me, and, and I grew a lot. I got baptized then. I got really involved, and so, so that kind of happened that way. So. Another, another mark in my life, I'll say this, um, 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 my father uh, died in a construction accident when I was nine years old. And so then my mother moved from Orange to Florida, and so we, we lived in, in that house. And so, so, yeah, there you go. And then God's good. And then I go to college. Then my sophomore year, I met the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And then I tricked her into saying yes, and we've been married for 25 years, so... <laughs> Um, and I'm going to share this with you. You don't have to include it on anything. That guy right there, um, that when I boxed, man. So we were in Dar es Salaam, right? This is a true story, man. <laughs> but um, we're in Dar es Salaam, and uh, four million people. Um, and uh, and so I was eating somewhere, and uh, and I noticed because we we eat at this place we call it a barbecue house, and um, it's it's really just kind of in the I don't know, really a difficult part of the city to get to. Anyway, and, and I notice on like this pole, uh, uh, what do you call those things? That a sign? A sign, but it was a, a, a paper sign. What is that? Uh, anyway, someone had stuck it on there. said, welcome to this boxing match at this place. All Tanzanians. And I'm like, boxing? That'd be cool. Let me go back a little bit farther from that. I am highly influenced by books. There's a book called Power of One by Bryce Courtenay, a, a South African writer. It's about a a boxer and so I love that book and so anyway I see hey there's boxing I'm like I'm gonna go to that right I'm gonna go to that now this is just you know all for Tanzanians it's, it's kind of off in the slums these little bars and stuff like that and uh, I'm not gonna go to that so I'm gonna go to it by myself and so the first one I go to man I loved it I loved it and uh, the guy fighting was um, uh, Rashid Matumla and he's that guy in that picture right there and he was famous he was actually on billboards he was he fought in the Olympics for Tanzania and so I was like, that's fantastic. I loved it. Um, and so uh, then I got, of course, I'm a pastor in Tanzania. And I, you know, and so I'm like, uh, I get some of my small group guys that I'm, I'm discipling. The next, the next, I get in this whole circuit. This is this whole subculture in Tanzania of boxing. Dude, you show up there, they got one boxing ring. They got two pair of gloves, man. Two guys will box. When they're done, they take their gloves off and they pass them to the next guy. It's insane, man. And so... Anyway, so we go to, I take my buddies with me. I take my, 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 some of my, the guys I'm discipling with me, have a tremendous time. And I'm, I'm the only Westerner there, so it's craziness. And then, um, and then um, once again, we hear that Rashid is going to box again. And we're like, do we got to go see Rashid? Got to go see Rashid. Got to go see Rashid. 
So we go to this, and he was fighting a guy from Morgoro, which is a local town nearby. Um, Francis was his name. And so Francis wants to fight Matumla, and so they, we go to it, we fight it. After the fight, here's what I said. I gotta learn to box. That's what I said. People say, that's a dumb idea. No, I gotta go box. And I go, how you gonna learn how to box? I said, I'm gonna get Matumla to teach me. And they're like, well, that's dumb. Matumla's not gonna teach you how to box. And I go, watch, guys, watch this. So I, there, there's a the hundred people there, several hundred people there. I look around for the biggest guy I can find. There's this huge dude. I walk up to him, and, course, and I speak Swahili and stuff, and I walk up to him, and I go, hey, man, do you know where Rashid lives, Rashid Matumla? Because I just figured he was a big dude. He's got to know where Rashid lived. He goes, I do. I go, can you take me to Rashid's house? He goes, yeah, I'll meet me at the Rose Garden the next day. I knew where the Rose Garden was. Um, it's, not, it's not a garden or a rose. It's a bar, dude. But um, I go, so we meet him in the parking lot of the Rose Garden. I go, jump in my car. He takes me way out to what I would just call the slums out there. We get out. I'm like the only Westerner probably ever been out there, dude. You got to park your car, then you got to hike. You're jumping over all sewage. People just—it was craziness. And so, we finally get to this 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 one little kind of shack, and um, I knock on the door. Rashid opens it. He's got a big old black guy. I go, hey. He goes, he goes, what? I go, hey, can you teach me to box? And he looks at me. He goes, yeah. And he goes, can you be here on Tuesday? I go, yeah. And I go, Sangapi, what time? He's like, uh. Be in the evening, I don't know, it's three or four. And I'm like, cool. And so that started my relationship with him. And, and I'm a terrible boxer. The whole thing was terrible, um, but it was fun. And, uh, and they're all Muslim, and I got to share a tremendous amount and um, improve my Swahili. And I it was a tremendous witness there. But um, that's the same thing with a lot of things in life. Like I said, it often begins with a thought in the back of your head. Hey, I'd like to try that. But what happens, I think, and you guys would say this too, um, in the morning when you wake up, you're like, well, that was silly ideal I had. Or you wake up in the morning and you start thinking about all the things that are required in order to accomplish that, right? And so you, you don't. But I have found if you can, if you have the ability, it pays to do lame things, right? You do it all for God's glory. I said this before. You do it all for God's glory, even the lame stuff, right? Yeah. So, so evidently you woke up and said one day, hey, I want to do a podcast. <laughs> hey, I got an idea. Let's do a podcast. Something like that. And you got to do it, man. And, and, and when you look back on your life, when I look back on my life, the things that stick out that I remember most prominently are those things where um, I said, hey, let's do this. And, and you do it and you remember it. And, um, man, I don't know what you guys want, man, because I, I got another one, man. Go for it. You guys can You guys can edit all you want to. So, this is before my wife, we got married. We met in college. We got married, I was 21 and she was 20. We've been married, I guess, 25 years now. I love Jesus. I'd been in college, but I had not been called in the ministry, right? And so uh, then we, were in, we were in Abilene, Texas, Hardin Simmons University, it's a Baptist university. After she graduated, we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm from Texas, but we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I worked for the state there. I was a child abuse investigator. Um, still loving the Lord, of course loving the Lord, going to church, all that stuff, telling people about Jesus, but I hadn't been called into the ministry. So it just so happens that, you know, you get, your, you get a job and you get vacation days, right? So you want to do something on your vacation days. People said Cancun's a good place to go. I said, hey, Charity, let's go to Cancun. We go to Cancun. It was fun, whatever. We get back to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I'm driving to work one day, and I start thinking, 
you know, we could just drive to Mexico and do missions work. That's what I thought. And I was like, I mean, the road literally goes to Mexico, right? And so I come back and I say, hey, Charity, I got an, I got an idea, man. Let's, uh, let's quit our jobs. Let's pack up our car, the Forerunner, and put our cat in it. And let's drive to Mexico and do some mission work. And she's like, yeah, sounds good to me. Now, my job really loved me, and if I quit, they were going to hire me back. We are in a good relationship, so uh, we did, man. I called, this is before the Internet was all as great as it is today. I called the International Mission Board. True story, man. I call them. I say, hey, guys, I want to go to Mexico and volunteer for three or four months. And they're like, hey, we have a missionary. We'll give you his phone number. So I call him up. I say, hey, man, we're going to come down there and, and do some work. We want to help you out. And he, and he got me in, he, he got me with a national, a, a person from Mexico, in a city where none of our, no, none of our, our missionaries were working. And um, I talked to this national, a Baptist national, and uh, he had this little house. He goes, man, I'll rent this to you. And I said, I said, all right, man, let's do it. So we did, man. We, 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 we put our jobs on hold. We got our buddies. I, I got some buddies, and I said, um, move into our house. We had some friends move in our house. We loaded my car up. We put the cat in it. We drove to Mexico, and we volunteered with those guys in Los Mochis, Sinaloa, which is um, <laughs> exactly where, what's that guy's name? Uh, they just, um, uh, yeah, the Sinaloa cartel. Yeah, exactly, man. And they, they called him there in Los Mochis, man. But this was before, you know, I don't know. They seemed cool to me. I don't know. <laughs> but so we were in there in Los Mochis, man, and we worked, and uh, it was there specifically the Lord said, hey, man, um, really on my heart. It's, it's, it's time, man. I'm calling you to the ministry to be a missionary and a pastor. And, uh, you know, we went on from there and went to seminary and stuff. But, uh, yeah, once again, it all starts. Once again, you, you think it's a lame ideal, but the driving to work one day, I'm like, Lord, um, I can keep driving to Mexico, and I know I can get there, and I feel confident that I can share the gospel there. And we spoke a little bit of Spanish, not much. Um, well, we took class. It doesn't matter. But, um and so we load the car up and we go, man. It was, um, I wouldn't recommend that necessarily unless you have um, the, you know, you've got it all figured out. Um, so, uh, and we had it pretty figured out. We had the money saved and my job was going to hire me back. Um, when I come back, I come back and um, that's when it gets really difficult. You're like, man, I want to go to seminary. Anyway, the Lord took care of it all. Anyway, here's the moral of the story. Do lame stuff. <laughs> it's, it works out. Usually, <laughs> don't disobey your parents and listen to wise counsel always. Well, that's my preface because I was I was talking at spiritual people in my life. I wasn't, you know. Anyway, so here's the deal. Um, okay, so um, NPR. I don't support NPR. Well, I mean, I'm not promoting NPR, but I do listen to NPR a lot. And so I, I heard um, they have this thing on NPR. Have you heard about it? You can be a DJ for an hour. So um, I call up NPR. And I said, man, I want to be a DJ for an hour because I was thinking I could play, um, I could play um, just Christian music for a whole hour over the radio in, in an audience that doesn't generally hear about Jesus. And so they're like, yeah, absolutely. So I, out of my own pocket, out of my own pocket, I, um, yeah. I, um, I, I give them the money, so I'm going to be a DJ for an hour, right? I ask them, I go, what is the most listened to hour that I can be a DJ for an hour for? And they told me I forgot what it was. And then I start thinking, okay, that's cool. Now I know that I can't do, 
I can't get 10 songs together. I don't know diddly diddly squat, right? So I'm like, man, I need someone to help me. So I call up Brett Ritchie. I say, Brett, listen to me, man. I'm, I can be a DJ for an hour on NPR. And so um, I call him, and anyway, he's like, yeah, dude, I'll help you out. So he puts, he and I get together. We put a list together, and one day Brett Ritchie and myself, we go up to NPR, and we, um, we play our 10 songs, man. And um, it was actually right before we launched the Silver Dollar Saturday Night Service, so we're plugging the service and stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, you get in there, man, it's a, it's a dark place. I mean, you, it's, I mean, I've been in some spiritually dark places, and one of the reasons you can, for me personally to feel a, a spiritually dark place is that you feel unmerited fear. And I get in there, and he gets in there, and I started feeling unmerited. I mean, unexplained. I'm, I'm fearful. And so the, the, the other guy who's fault, that's helping us out, um, he, he leaves the room and I look at Brett and I'm like, dude, I don't know about this. He goes, man, let's just, you know, move forward. And so, um, we do it. We start playing the music. He's, he's cueing me up and I'm talking about stuff. We're doing the 10 songs and, uh, they start getting phone calls, man. People complaining, man, what is it? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't know, dude, but we just, we just, we played through it and it was really cool. So we did that. But here's where the whole thing gets even even more interesting to me at least, it, this is, it actually changed a trajectory of my life. It's a little bitty interesting thing. So um, I didn't know this, but they had, NPR had a drawing, right? That at all the people in Chattanooga who had contributed anything at all, they're gonna put your name in some sort of, I don't know, drawing, and you could win a year membership to um, Sports Bar. I didn't know that. They call me um, two weeks later and they say, hey, you want a year, you and your family, a year membership to Sports Barn, all right? I'm like, well, that's fantastic. And this is downtown. Now, I'm already a member of a gym, but the Sports Barn, what they had was a great indoor swimming facility. Mm -hmm. So I started swimming and I've been swimming ever since. I swam just so damn. I'm swimming all the time now and that's all from that. So there you go. But here's the deal. Hey, get back to this, man. Here's the deal. I have found in my life, you guys too, and you know it's true, um, oftentimes... You are, maybe when you are relaxing, maybe when you're driving your car or something like that, you have a crazy idea in your head, right? And that was me. I had a crazy idea in my head. Hey, listen, I'm going to spend um, this amount of money to be a DJ for an hour on NPR. And um, you're like, that's lame, all right? Now, I shared it with people, right? They all thought it was lame, too, right? They did. They was dumb. My mom's like, you can pay that much money so you can go sit on you know, do that. Now, my wife's really supportive, and she loves me, but she was like, okay, you know, because she's seen me do goofy things before. She's like, okay, there ain't a, there, ain't, there wasn't a soul who thought it was what was a good thing to spend money on, and uh, so that's okay. You just do it. You go through it. Um, so that's good in life. Um, in my life, I have found that oftentimes following the um, lame ideals in your head pay off. They just do. question is yeah. what is your favorite phrase in Swahili man I gotta tell you uh <laughs> well with the kids they the stuff that they know um like um <laughs> dude it doesn't know so okay hakuna you probably know what that means hakuna matata hakuna means there is no all right, right. 
Now, this is interesting. You guys ever eat at Chewy's? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm not a fan. I love Chewy's. You're not a fan? Chewy's is oh my greatness. I, I know. It's an unpopular opinion. So, it's okay. Hakuna, they have, they have a shirt there that says Hakuna Matako. Oh. All right. They did have it. They may not have it there anymore. Hakuna. And there, then is they, no. there is no. Taco means singular. Um, how do you say it? Um, your gluteus maximus. <laughs> Half of your gluteus maximus. <laughs> wow. It gets even worse. Oh, no. In, in Swahili, in order to make something plural, the, the plural is... Ma? Well, in that sense, yes. It's, it's, so for the, the complete package, it's the matako. And so there's, their shirt says Hakuna Matako. So there you go. There's no I butt. told them. There is, there, well, it'd actually be there are, technically, strictly be there are, there are no butt cheeks. All right. So anyway. <laughs> you know, my kids say stuff uh, we, when we pray, you know, uh, uh, Kusali, we say let's pray. Um, we say, man, they love words. Uchi is naked. <laughs> so they know Uchi. Um, I don't know, man. I forget. We, you know, we say stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Charity right now, there is actually um, some Rwandan refugees living in one of the projects downtown that only speak Swahili. No, I apologize. They also speak um, French, Swahili, and maybe Kirundi. Point is, no one here speaks any of those languages. That they could, these people could find that this organization needed to talk to them. They got a hold of us, and so Charity goes there and translates for them in Swahili, and so she's been doing that for a while. So were they in Rwanda during Man, the, I don't know. the I don't mess know. of it all? No, that was, no, no, they've recently come here, um, so I'm not for sure of all the details. I do right. know that um, it's rough, man. It's rough. Yeah. It's all rough. It's all really rough. But yeah, they do some Bible studies and, and stuff like that, and so, uh, and then she translates for them. Once again, Swahili isn't there's several things going on, but first, Swahili isn't their um, primary language. They like, I guess, Kirundi or French, um, and so uh, you know, so and it's not it's not our first language. It's not their first language, but we both communicate in it, and so we do that. Um, so yeah, but I don't I don't know. She speaks a lot better than I do. <laughs> so anyway, she being charity. Yes, charity. So there you go. What you got? Hey, Harold Wanyama, let me tell you something real quick. You don't have to put this on anything. One of the young men, see what I'm doing? I'm waiting. I'm waiting for some of the guys in my church from Tanzania to get famous and become president, and then I'm going to hit them up, man, say, hey, you remember me? There's this man, this young man, his name is, I don't know, I'll share his first name is Harold. Harold is a Ugandan. You can look him up, dude. He just won. He's a chess champion. He just won. Um, the bronze medal for the African games in chess. And so, I, and he's on Facebook, and so we, we, we talk back and forth. So Harold's a good guy. Wow. But he's not president yet, you know. But yet. Yeah, not saying, yet. Man. <laughs> yeah, people come out of the woodwork when you get, you know. Uh, I believe it. And I'll be one of them. I'll be, hey, Harold, remember me? Remember me? We'll come visit you. Let me. So anyway. Uh. I did have one young woman from our church who did get into government, um, and so she had some pictures with the president of Tanzania. And so I wrote her, I say, don't forget me, don't forget me, you know. But uh, they're all they're wonderful, wonderful, good people. So my icebreaker question was how you got the nickname the turtle. 
The turtle, I, you know what? Let me tell you real quick. It's not turtle. It's Kobe boy, man. Oh, oh man. Oh, I got it wrong. Kobe is tortoise. Your Swahili, man, is... It's, it's, it's a little rusty, as in it doesn't exist. Yeah. Kobe boy, man, yeah. So when I was boxing in Tanzania, um, Rashid Matumla goes by the snake, Rashid Matumla, or snake boy. And so we're all training and all this stuff, and I'm like, man, I gotta get me a name. I want a name. And I said, because, man, I'm slow. I'm really slow. And I said, I know what my name's gonna be. My name's gonna be Kobe Boy. And so they loved it. They're like, yeah, you're Kobe Boy, you're Kobe Boy. And, um, and, and, um, I, and, and they said, it's because, they said it's because you got such a good defense. Let me tell you something. The only defense I had was sticking my my face in their in their hand man that's that's how slow them down and um but yeah so i was kobe boy and so no that was my name man every time i was anywhere in that area of town i'd be walking kobe boy kobe boy i was kobe boy that was my now you know so like in church like you know those guys didn't come but they you know they call me kobe boy but yeah out there man i was kobe boy um so the tortoise you know does that not strike fear i'm terrified (laughs) i know but you know what? You know, once again, you, in Swahili, it had a little. I mean, they were they were cool with it, but I thought it was funny. So I was Kobe boy. Kobe boy. I think you just got a new name in my phone. There you go, Kobe boy. Kobe do boy. it. It's it's not Kobe. It's Kobe. Kobe boy. You can, that's your Swahili word for the day. Kobe. Kobe, Kobe, Kobe boy. The tortoise. Someone says. Someone goes. Someone here says. Well, you the turtle? Did you call me turtle? What do you call me? <laughs> I said turtle. 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 Yeah. Someone else said. Who was it? Um. A guy named Granny goes, "Hey, you're Turtle Boy." That's not Turtle. It's it's a tort. There's a big difference. There really is. There's huge. You never like listen. You 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 going down the street, right? You see a turtle crossing crossing the road. What's he doing? He's just kind of sliding around. A tortoise? Man, he's walking like he owns that street. That's a big difference. He's strutting. He's strutting, man. Either way, either way, you go around him. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. How did losing a parent at an early age shape your life, and especially your faith yeah. later on? Well, man, you know, I was young, and once again, I wouldn't say my experience is universal by any means. Oh, yeah. Um, but from what I remember, um, it didn't it didn't really um, affect me adversely at all. I mean, I love my dad. Was a, I love my dad? He's a good guy. He was a, I, a tremendous guy. I loved him. Um, but um, his passing. Um, I remember sitting there at the funeral thinking, I think I'm supposed to cry. So I remember my buddy walking down. I'm like, dude, they need to see me cry. So I was, you know, trying. But no, man, I don't know. Maybe, you know, one day, I mean, that was a long time ago. Um, I'll wake up and I've been repressing it. But no, it really didn't. Now, I know it's different for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, um, so I don't know if mine was normative. And maybe someone's listening to that and saying, Say, oh, he's lying to you, something being pushed down. You know, he's going to blow his head sometime. No, you know, but no, I don't remember anything negative. I, I don't remember deep remorse. I don't remember any of that stuff. Um, so maybe you guys can read more on that than me. I don't know. Um, so that was, you know, it wasn't until, um, of course, the Lord had saved me prior to that, but it wasn't until, you know, I was a little bit older that I really started growing in, in that. So, um, I'm sure, you know, when you sit down and, and think about it and stuff, you're like, you can get, you know, sad, especially when you're younger. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not that deep. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, literally everyone's part in that is different. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's absolutely true. Um, but, yeah. 
So what was, if any, the cause, the reason behind the initial trip down to Mexico? Man, like I said, you mean the, okay, well, there's two parts. First was just vacation, right? So I was on vacation. I went to Cancun. That's right, that's right. And then the second, you know, I don't know, man. You know, I love the Lord, and I was just thinking, man, it's just so easy to go. No, literally, man, because I'm driving. I'm in Albuquerque. I work south of Albuquerque. I think it's um, I-25, and I'm just driving down the road. I'm like, dude, this road goes all the way to Mexico. And I started thinking, man, we could just drive there. And I started thinking, man, people people don't. I, I, I'm sure they, I could volunteer in some way and tell people about Jesus. And so then I ran by my wife, and my wife, you know, she's always, she, she knew at an early age that um, she felt the Lord was calling her to be a missionary. So she was, she was game. And so, um, but you had to work out the logistics and make sure you had a jobby job when you got back and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, um, so, you know, we had to work out all of that and um, talk to people and know what we're doing, contact the mission board and set up all that stuff. But, um, yeah, that was my initial thought. I was just like, man, this would be, this would be a, a good opportunity to do that. And I don't know, man, it's hard to go back. It's, and you, do, you guys do the same thing. It's hard to go back and look at your life and remember all the motivations, the reason you were thinking about doing things. It very well could have been. I'd been in that job, for, in that position for two years, and I might have just been also thinking, man, I'm kind of in a rut. I want to, you know, you know, do something new. I, I don't know. But it sounds more noble to say it's all for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So, but um, there might have been other motivation, fa- motivated factors in all of that. But um, does it matter once we got down there? Yeah, the Lord messed us up in all kinds of ways. And you're like, yeah, this is this is the calling, the 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 the, um, the undeniable um, calling into the ministry. Um, now, my wife. So we were the International Mission Board is the Southern Baptist, and so uh, they hadn't. Uh, she had never joined a Southern Baptist church. She was from a Bible church, and so um, that's another story. But anyway, we uh, the International Mission Board will not let you serve on the mission field unless, or even take your application, unless you have been an, a, a member, an active member in a Southern Baptist church for two years. So you know, we contact them. We're like, yeah, no, guys, you can't do it. You can start the process, but you know you got to be a member for two years and of a of a local church, and so, uh, and so we're like, man, two years, and um, what are we gonna do? And then I was like, you know, I need to go to seminary, and so I went to seminary. She got her master's as well, and so we did that for two years, got prepared. I see some people sometimes they get told things like that from the international mission, where they hear things other than what they had anticipated, and there can become bitterness. Like, That's dumb rural dumb people um i chose by god's grace to submit and i was blessed in that submission um, both in my education not only that the men and women who were in africa when i arrived were blessed better because i had a decent education you know um so there you go <laughs> so yeah we did that and then um um ended up in africa and we went for two years to begin with, and after that, it was reconfirmed to stay longer in the window, an additional seven years. Um, so, check this story out, man. It's a tremendous story. I'm not going to go into all the details, but we're in Dar es Salaam, predominantly Muslim setting. 
and uh, we're part of the kind of this church thing. And um, I start preaching, and we have a great team with us. And uh, the Lord absolutely blows it up. People getting saved, not like man, not like here. I mean here, I mean whatever. I mean it, things are different. They're just bigger. But there, you know, you got ten. And the next day you got 50 and 100. We grew up to like 250, 300. I mean, that's a significant movement, significant movement. And uh, people from Islamic backgrounds, God saving them. There's just crazy. It's just ridiculous. People taking buses. We had buses running from different parts of the city. It was a tremendous thing. So in 06, man, um, my supervisor, um, I'll say his name, John Sapp, great guy. It's good. Um, John Sapp gives me a little callie call. He says, listen, he's in Nairobi. He goes, listen, Travis. There is this church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I go, Chatta what? <laughs> you know? He goes, yeah. He goes, um, it's called Silverdale. And he says, he goes, he goes, listen, they're doing a, a missions conference, and it's just on eastern and southern Africa. And he goes, man, I would really like you to go there and share with them what's going on in Dar es Salaam. And I, I hadn't been in the States in four years. Um, I, I mean, I'm not a great, I love Africa. That was my home. That was my people. I had my church. I had my, my wife and all my, my, you know, you know, it's inconvenience speaking English. No, I'm joking. But I go, listen, I go, I go, John, I did the thing that all Christians do. I said, John, I'll pray about it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, because here's the deal. L- listen, I'm, I may ramble some, but here's the deal. The deal was, was they were going to pay for me to go back to the States, but not my wife. And I do not like being apart from my wife at all. Uh, period. It's goofy. I'm like, dude, I, I, 21 years. 21 years I, I slept in a bed by myself. My plan is to never do it again unless the Lord absolutely tells me to do it. So I'm like, I'm like, Charity, I'm not going to do that because I'm not. I won't be able to preach these weekends. I won't be able to lead these. I'm not. I'm not doing it. But then God is persistent, and um, my wife, and she's, I think, so sensitive to the Lord too. She's like, you know. Let's, let's think about this, Travis. You can do it. You can get on the plane. You can go over there, and you can do this. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So, um, and besides that, I, you know, there's some things in America we could buy and bring back food. Man, there's good food in America. So, um, like Oreos. Oreos, absolutely. <laughs> Dude, check this out. Do you know they make Oreos? They make Oreos in South Africa, but they don't taste as good as the ones in America. I don't know why. So we get South African Oreos in, in Tanzania. And uh, hold on, write this. I got to tell you my Oreo story. Yes. Okay. No. I, I, have you heard it before? Because I it's good. Listen. Listen. I'm sure there are plenty. So I doubt listen. I've heard this. No, one. you probably did. Listen, because I've shared it one time at Thanksgiving service. But uh, that yeah. So so anyway, I come to I come to um, the states, fly into Atlanta. They take me here, and I meet the most wonderful people I've ever met here, and um, at Silverdale Baptist Church, the kindest people, um, and so. Uh, we started a relationship. They started sending teams over to Tanzania. And uh, it was at the same time my son was born. And uh, I think uh, the International Mission Board is a tremendous organization. But, um, you know, I was beginning to feel like perhaps my trajectory was not the same trajectory as them. So it was in my head, I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna be leaving this place. Uh, I had perhaps the opportunity to, to, to become the senior pastor of the International Baptist Church there, and there were some other opportunities, but in the end, you know, the Lord led us here, man, and uh, it's been, we've been, and it's just, it was a blessing. It's a wonderful, wonderful church, so that's how that happened. Everything ties in together, right? So my Oreo story, um, and I'll share it with you again, I, if, if, I don't know if I told you or not, but so this was my first two years. We're in western Tanzania. 
my buddy and his wife are going to come visit us. And so we lived right off the Serengeti, and I need Oreos. I said, I said, brother, bring some Oreos. Now, he did not follow my prescription as I had directed him because he thought he would be cute, and instead of bringing me four boxes of Oreos, he'd bring me two boxes of Oreos and two Chips Ahoy. And I'm like, dude, I didn't ask for Chips Ahoy. What's the deal? Don't go off, don't go off script, man, but it's all good. So he brought me. So, so we're in Mwanza. They fly into this airport called Arusha. In order to get to Arusha, you got to drive through the Serengeti, and you got to drive through the Ngorongoro Crater, and then Arusha's on the other side of it. So we drive. It's a long trek, man. It's a long safari. You get to Arusha, I pick them up. We spend the night at this little camp encampment place, and uh, he's, he, he gives me one, a box of Oreos. We got a box of Oreos. The rest are packed away. And so we, we do the math. We, this is the math. We're like, okay, listen. We got this many Oreos. There's four of us in the car. There's me, my wife, his wife, you know, this is four. <laughs> okay, so I got four of us. We got two three-day trek home. Um, there's so many hours in the day. That means, you know, we can allot ourselves, you know, like two Oreos per person, maybe an hour, something like that. So we're like, cool. So we're like, okay, we got it. It's sitting there in, in between the two drive, this driver's seat. And that's what we do. We got our allotment. Everybody knows their allotment. No one's going to mess up their allotment. They know it, you know? So, uh, we go, um, we're going to the back, and then Gorongor Crater, you can, you can Google, it's a tremendous, beautiful place. And I'm like, hey, listen, let's go down the crater. Now, see, because we were residents, we could drive without a guide, and so um, we can do whatever we want to do. So we drive into the crater, we spend the day looking at all these amazing animals. And so we go, so I think what happens is we want to rest, we pull under these trees, okay? We get out of the car. Well, it's a, it's a big old rig. We get over a big safari vehicle, and... Uh, and we're sitting there just resting, and then this monkey, a burbet monkey, and they're cute. You think they're cute? Comes up, right? He's just walking, and uh, he got a baby. There's a baby on this monkey's back. It's the cutest thing. And I'm like, look, a little baby. This is before iPhones, because I'd have a picture of this stuff, dude. I'm like, look, little baby, little monkey. He's so cute. And everybody's like, oh yeah, cute little monkey. And the monkey gets closer to us, and I'm like, wow, that's weird. They're not. They don't usually do this stuff. And then he gets closer and closer. We're outside the vehicle, and then I'm starting to get scared. You see the monkey? You see the movie Outbreak? Anyway, they got these. These monkey got little sharp teeth, man, hmm. and they're like looking at him. Wow! And the baby, but he gets close, and then in a second, he jumps to the door of the vehicle that was still open. Jumps inside the vehicle, and then he grabs the Oreos. All right. Now my friend Doug yells. He's like, "Get the monkey!" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'll get the monkey!" So Doug goes around the other side. I go to this driver's side, and you got the monkey with the baby on the back, and he's got the Oreos in his hands, and then he starts showing his teeth, and I'm like, Doug, <laughs> how do you get a monkey? And Doug's like, I don't know, dude, let's throw stuff at him. And so we just start throwing stuff at the monkey. Finally, the monkey gets scared, jumps out of the vehicle, and he didn't take our Oreos, right? And so we get in there, and then you gotta count the damage. You gotta, well, what's wrong? Did, did he get any Oreos? Well, well, he did get some of the Oreos, right? But not all the Oreos. So then you have the debate. You know, can you eat a, can you eat a, can you eat an Oreo that a monkey's touched, right? What would you do? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you okay? Well, then you. Well, do you then touch I, or bite? I, I don't think. You, listen. That's the question I'm asking. Listen, I got no DNA test for you. All I'm saying <laughs> is I'm still alive. You know what I'm saying? So uh, and that was one, that would have been like my first year there. 
and uh, our second year. Either way, that began, you know, my very long, um, really just not like of monkeys. Um, <laughs> and by the way, you're not going to, you will not, well, I shouldn't say it's universal, but uh, most Tanzanians don't like monkeys either, man. Good, they're mean. Man, monkeys steal stuff. Monkeys, man, I told you, that, I mean, hear this story. One time I was out, I was out, I, man, I shared this before. I was out uh, by myself in the bush. I was trying to find a baby rhino because they said there's a baby rhino out there. I'm going to find the baby rhino. So I spend the day looking for a baby rhino. I find the baby rhino, right? They're cute too, right? See the baby rhino. When I get sleepy and um, I have this little sandwich, I go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get my sandwich and then I'm going to take a nap under the tree in my car. And so um, I eat my sandwich, I, I kick my seat back, and I take a nap in my car. It's my, once again, it's my big safari vehicle. And um, I wake up, and there's a troop of monkeys on my car, man. And, um, and then I just start yelling at them, like, get off my car, get off my car. They all run except for this one monkey, this one monkey. And I, I've told this story before, but I'm telling you, it's a true story, man. The monkey looks at me, grabs the antenna of my car, breaks it, drops it, and walks off. Monkeys, dude, they're smart, dude. They're smart, man. So I got to know, did you yell at it in Swahili or English? No, I'm just yelling, dude. No, no. <laughs> Tumbili. That's a monkey, a Tumbili. So, hey, there is, and let me say this really well. I won't say her name, but um, there is a young woman who attends Silverdale Saturday night, and she is actually a zookeeper at the Chattanooga Zoo, and she is in charge of the primates. And tomorrow oh, wow. we're going to go visit her. And she's going to give us a little. I don't want to tell her my <laughs> primate experiences, but, uh, and by the way, listen, if you go to the Chattanooga Zoo where the, the chimpanzees are, yep. mm -hmm. you're going to notice um, they have um, some wood crates out there. They're all from Dar es Salaam. One of them is from a shop right by our house. It's called Mwenge. You can look on the side of it. It's going to say um, Jew, which means up. There's an arrow, and then it says Mwenge. It's right from where we lived at. So. That's so cool. It is cool. I tried to wow. that. So. Anyway, we'll see. I don't know... Um, you know, I don't think you can pet monkey, the, the chimpanzees, but I don't know. She said she'd show us. Uh, I don't know if you tell her tell not, her dude, your not, story, I'm you not, might not. be able to. I don't know. Dude. She may be mad at me. <laughs> that's a chimpanzee. You yelled at the monkeys? I, I'm more bird vets. Bird vets are cute, dude. I'm telling you, they're cute. And the babies are cute. They're all cute, man. But you just can't trust a monkey. And they get and they'll steal your, they'll steal your food. Man, they, they're junkers, man. All yeah. sorts of monkey business, right? Yeah, exactly, man. I got some other monkey stories. But I'll tell you later, man. You don't, they're not for the <laughs> general the consumption. Yeah. General consumption of the public. Um, so, <laughs> anyway. So you were a pastor in Tanzania, right? Not man, just a missionary. Well, you know, you know, those are semantics. Um, <laughs> this is true. Um, so you know, the International Mission Board does not. Um, we don't. They don't send out pastors because right. of missionaries. Um, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, I was, um, you know, so what happens is we're there with that team and we're building it and the people are getting saved and, and I find myself preaching increasingly more and increasing, increase, increasing more at the University of Dar es Salaam. And, um, so yeah, all the people there would refer, you know, you know, Mchungaji, pastor, whatever. Um, so, but I don't, I wouldn't say I wasn't, you know, um, how would you say if you're going to be a pastor at a church, you know, you're going to be voted on by the congregation hey I'll tell you one of the yeah one of the coolest things in life for me has been I have often been able to uh, preach to people who had really not had much of a proper or you know church and so you know they hear me and they're like that's what a pastor is supposed to be like that's 
That's that's the best, man. And so there, those those sweet, amazing people, they didn't know that they were better pastors than me. They thought, you know, that was the standard. But so they, 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 they yeah, they would call me pastor. But I, I don't know. I, yeah. And I guess the university definitely um, would they'd probably call me, man, the uni- a chaplain. In fact, they gave me an office, man. They gave me an office with keys, dude. Wow. Check this out, man. This is... You can edit all this stuff. Do what you want to with it. I got a lot of stuff. Listen, so we're, man. So, there, a young man, I won't tell you his name. Let's call him Sam, all right? Sam grew up Muslim. Sam, uh, just kind of a straight kid, man. Just rough kid, rough life, rough stuff, man. Sam, he was a street, street hustler. Sam walks into our church one day. He hears the gospel, and God saves him, right? Um, and so, uh, man, his family wanted to kill him, all this stuff. He became one of my best friends, a leader in the church, a leader in the church. Okay, you got this street kid, man. And um, so we're, we're leading this church. I'm leading this church. i got a team with me, but preaching. And at the University of Dar es Salaam, they have a Swahili services meeting there, I don't know, since the beginning of the university okay and that is where all the academic elite of the country go university of dar salaam man four or five man i got a list of all the presidents in africa that graduated from there and so um at the university of dar salaam their 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 swahili service the protestant swahili service they get a beautiful building it's where all the academic elite go and um, so as our church is growing, and we meet on the, on the campus there as well. In fact, we meet uh, kind of uh, under them. I mean, I submit to their authority and all that stuff. The, um, the head chaplain um, over the whole, uni- or the whole universe, CCT there, said, um, Travis, would you come preach at, this, at, at their service? I mean, it's, 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 the, um, it's called CCT. I forget what all it stands for, but it's the, the, um, the Swahili service there. I mean, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. And I don't know. I don't know how many guys from the West have been asked to preach there. And I'm like, yeah, I'll preach there. I'll do it, man. I'll do it. Now, here's where it gets awkward. So you got all the academic elite. Now, I got Swahili, man, but I don't have Swahili, Swahili. You know, man? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I don't know about this. In addition, 99% or more, almost, 100, almost everyone at that service speaks English because they lecture in English and they're, they're they got their they're just they're just they're 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 they're, they're just the academic elite so I'm like I'm like um you know can I do it in English she's like yeah absolutely you can do it in English but there were some some unzes there the um, older people there the waze some of the waze the older people they prefer Swahili and so I say um I go um well could I have uh, someone to translate for them they're like, yeah, we'll provide someone for you. I'm like, no, no, no. Um, um, I want to get Sam to do it for me. Now, the interesting thing is before salvation, that guy Sam would not even probably be allowed in that facility, mm. right? Um, but the Lord saved him, made him to a mighty man of God, and so he doesn't have an education. He's got an education now. We stood in front of that congregation, and... Um, Question was, people were like, what's he going to preach? What's he going to preach? I'm like, man, I'm going to preach the gospel, man. So I started in Genesis. I went all the way to Revelation. 
and we just plowed through it, man. And it was it was an amazing time. And our and and the point is, it was all tremendous. But the thing that really got me was I'm sitting there with Sam and just thinking all that God had done, what God had saved him from. That the very moment while he's sitting there preaching with me, people were actively seeking to kill him. A year or two earlier, he wouldn't have been allowed in that facility. And now he's standing before the academic elite of a nation preaching the gospel. And I say, that's what God does, man. I've seen it over and over many times. That's what Jesus does. So he takes the things that are weak and seem to be of no value and powerless. He saves them. He um, indwells them. He changes them. And he uses them for his glory. And so that was a, a neat thing to be a part of. And actually, actually, I, I did a wedding in Tanzania. I don't even know how that stuff works. It's weird, man. I have no idea. Like 95% of the stuff I get involved with, I don't know how I got here, man. <laughs> but it's here, man. So you just go through it. I just, like I said, yeah, we didn't have iPhones then, so I could have some really cool pictures. Mm, <laughs> we did it have sounds some, like it. We did have some digital cameras, but these are just so easy. The iPhones yeah. are. But anyway, well, that's God. That's what he does. So going back to the beginning, do lame things, man. I'm telling you, listen, if you, so people will say to me from time to time, I wish I could see God do, you know, crazy, amazing things. It's not hard to do. If you want to see God do crazy, amazing things, here's what I tell people, over the next week, every single day, share the gospel. And I guarantee you, when you come back to me a week later, you're going to have some stories. You will absolutely have stories. I'm, I'm telling you. The problem is it's hard to share the gospel. The problem is it's uncomfortable to do these things. The problem is you don't really want to do that. But I'm, Well, you may want to, but it's difficult. But, um, but yeah, man, you start sharing the gospel. Weird, not weird stuff, but things happen, dude. Sometimes they're not pleasant, but um, sometimes they are. <laughs> so, anyway. So I get, to ta- I get back to Chattanooga. I never lived here before. Didn't know anything about it. I'm from a small church. The largest church I've ever been a part of was a church I was pastoring in Africa. We had 250, 300, whatever. I get back here. Silverdale is a lovely place, lovely place, lovely people. Um, but, man, I didn't know what to do. And so I won't get into all of that. But, um, I mean, you can move a lot of widgets here, but, you know, you can, you can all do that. But you're like, is this really the most effective use of the limited amount of time I have on earth? And so uh, I prayed through it, man. And, and you guys have all probably heard this story. I know you have, but um, it, it is a marker in my life and the testimony of God. I prayed through it. I said, God, man, I don't know what to do, and I'm feeling pretty useless here. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I'm sure that, you know, I was doing something. But um, <laughs> take it anyway, who knows. Uh, so uh, um, the Lord impressed upon me, um, Travis, just preach, man, preach. And I've preached, and so uh, share the gospel. I'm like, fantastic, that's what I'll do. And um, I'm like, well, Lord, you know, um, you know, I got to find someone to preach to. And so he's like, don't worry, it'll work out. So we need to find a place to live. I didn't have a place to live. We're living in a mission house here. And so there's a little neighborhood right behind the church. And, uh, and we had a budget. We had a budget. I had a budget. This is, I had this X amount of money I wanted to spend on a house. So we drive to that neighborhood, and all those houses exceeded my budget. And so I'm like, I don't know. So, but one day, Charity and I were driving back in the neighborhood, and we see some houses being built. And so we stop, and we walk into it, and there's two young men in there. They are the, um, the builders. Like, I mean, they don't actually build stuff. They, 
what, what do you call those guys? Contractors. They're the contractors. <laughs> they're, they're the guys at the tip of the, the, the top of the pyramid. Right. And so I go and start talking to them. And, um, and um, so I'm talking to them, telling my story, telling them what I'm doing. And as always, I try to direct the conversation to the gospel. And so I share about the gospel. Um, and um, one of them, I'm pretty, I wasn't a believer. One of them, I think, was struggling with some stuff and had a brilliant conversation with them. I leave. Um, I leave. And then, um, well, I told them my money, how much money I, I would spend on the house, and theirs was more than that. And they call me back, I think, the next day or two days later and say, hey, Travis, come to our office. We want to meet with you. And um, I said, cool, man, I'll come meet with you. So Cherry and I went and met with them, and we got in their office, and they go, hey, we want to build you a house. And I said, guys, that's cool, man, but listen, you know what my budget is, and you know what you guys charge to build a house. They go, they, and he said, yeah, we know. We're going to build you a house, but we're not going to charge you a builder's fee. And so it met my budget. They said, this is my budget. They said, we will come at that or under that. And I said, let's build a house. And then I said to him, I said, that's cool. We'll do that. But I tell you what, if you build me a house, we got to have a Bible study. And by Bible study, I mean, you got to sit down while I preach. <laughs> so, anyway, so they're like, okay, whatever. We'll do it. So as they were building my house, we started this um, Bible study. And I started preaching through books of the Bible. Same thing I was doing in Africa. And uh, so those two guys, and then they invite their friends, and they invite their friends. Long story short, that just really blew up. There's a lot of guys coming. And so much so, they build me a, a big old porch. It wasn't even part of my contract. They built me a porch so we could meet. And so that was the beginning, really, of, of just a tremendous... So I'm preaching every week. I'm preaching all the time, and uh, I didn't give them... I didn't give them even water, nothing. No, no, no food, no water, no nothing. I remember one day it was raining, man, and guys were outside in the rain. It was ridiculous, and God just saving people. It's a neat thing to be a part of. It is a wonderful thing to be a part of. had nothing to do with me, but I'm just sitting there. And, of course, some of the guys smoked, some of the guys chewed. Man, listen, so these guys, I remember these guys getting saved, dude. It was, it was crazy, just like in Africa. And I remember, because I'm a son, he was young, and so uh, I, would, I would preach for like 45 minutes, an hour. We didn't sing. We didn't do nothing. And then I'd say, guys, um, I got a wife. I'm going to go enjoy her company. You guys go and find your own wives, but leave, right? And so I would just walk in, close the door, and lock it. Well, this one time I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there. It's late at night, and I'm like, oh, man, I didn't check the mail. This is after the Bible, the, 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 ser the service, whatever, the Bible study, you want to call it. I go out my front door. And there's like these three dudes in my lawn just smoking. And I go, guys, listen, I don't care where you go. You just got, man, I got neighbors. People got jobby jobs. I said, you got to leave. And they're like, hey, listen, Travis, here's the deal, brother. Hey, this time of night, what we would usually do is go out and drink and whatever. And they're like, but man, since the Lord saved us, basically, we don't have nowhere to go. I'm like, that's cool, but you can't go here and pick up your cigarette butts, right? I got neighbors, man. And so they did all that, and they kept coming, but the Lord kept saving. saving. But, but what happens, and you can't fight this, is this little thing called winter, right? Mm -hmm. And so winter comes. Anyway, long story short, um, we had to move to the basement of a house. From there, we moved to the chapel, which we called the pit, and the Lord kept blessing. From there, it's now the Saturday night service. But that's the genesis right there. Yeah. So there you go. So, good. so from that, talking about how yeah. God took 
a, a Bible study that I actually was at. Yeah, hold on one second. Here's what gets. I'm sorry, I want to interrupt no, you. Here was weird, dude. So first it was just men, right? It's yeah. just men. We moved to the basement, and some of these men got girlfriends, and they're like, "Our, girl, our girlfriends want to come." I'm like, "Okay, cool. Girls can come." Girls come immediately. It's fantastic. It smells better, and they act a lot better. Everyone acts better, but the women, the women are like, <laughs> they're, they're wonderful, amazing, beautiful women. They're like, uh, they're like, uh, they're like, hey, you know what we need? We need, we need some, we need some, some music. I'm like, we don't need music. All you need to do is sit down and listen to me preach. That's what you need. And 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 they're like, no, no, seriously, let's get somebody, somebody to do this. And so I'm like, man. And they're like, because we got a big church here. And they're like, hey, couldn't you hire somebody? And I'm, I was talking about, well, I'm not hiring nobody. I'm going to pay nobody to do nothing, right? That's what my, my thing. And I said, I said, okay, if we can find someone who will be faithful and play for free, I'm all over it. And then uh, they got all this one guy, and he came one time. And I think, once again, I don't know his heart. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but it didn't work out. And they go, this one guy goes, Hey, I know this guy who builds stuff and he plays a guitar. His name's Anthony Masati. He might come play. And so I met Anthony, and I at at, at Starbucks. I went to Starbucks and um, I said, Anthony, here's the deal. We're doing this. If you want to play the guitar, you can. Here's the thing. Two things you gotta know. One, you better never miss a, a service. Always be there. And two, I ain't paying you diddly diddly squat. If you want to do it, you can. And that was it. And the guy didn't leave for several years. And then he got hired on another church and all that stuff. But yeah, there you go. He did, and, and by the way, as it grew, I, we're, we're not cruel here. As it grew, we, we were able to start giving him some money and stuff. But but it starts taking on. And then, yeah. And then people bring kids, and I love kids. And then they're like, I got child care. And then it all grew, and it's all fantastic. It's all beautiful. But anyway, you can tell me your story. Women change everything. Like, they do. Sing. Yeah. They do. For the better. For the better. I Absolutely agree. for the better. I agree. So as somebody who was at the small group when it was on the back porch yeah. and when it was in the basement of yeah. the building right down the road, yeah. not even down the road, across the parking lot, um, seeing it grow from that yeah. to Saturday night and now having another campus across the city, yeah. what has been something that God has taught you through that transition? Man, I think, well, a lot of things, but I think there is, here's the thing we got to always battle um, there's always um, a tendency to not want to change. And so um, the point at which you come in at any mo- 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 movement of God is oftentimes you're, uh, you're, you're, you, you, you idealize that. And so uh, if you came in when we were meeting on my back porch, you're like, oh, man, that was the glory day. If you came in, we're meeting in the basement of the house over there. Oh, man, that's the glory. If you came, there's people, and I love them. God did significant things in their life on the Thursday night service that we call the pit. And so when we moved to Saturday night, there's some uh, lamentation. They're, they're sad. They're like, hey, we're moving. It's not the same. And I'm like, I know, man, I know. It's not the same. But you got to let it go. And, uh, and, and, and I try not to ever talk about it too much because I don't want anybody who's there on Saturday night to think they missed out on something because they weren't there on the Thursday night. You don't, because I've been, I've been to places before where they just start talking about how things were three years ago. But I'm telling you right now, if the only thing you talk about is three years ago, and you're not talking about today, it means probably ain't nothing happening today. So, um, so I think just, you know, change is, is good, and uh, not good, but it happens. 
You, you don't need to get stuck and lament what you don't have anymore. You celebrate what God has done. You thank him for what he is doing, and you wait for eager anticipation of what is to come. And so, and you just, man, listen, from my experience, and, and it's not a universal experience, I'm telling you, if you just plant yourself in one place and faithfully preach, stuff happens. It happens. And, uh, and sometimes it's wild and crazy. And it's, I mean, like, I mean, so even at St. Elmo, when it first going, there's a lot of goofiness good way goofiness and people come to me hey you need to fix this you got to fix this i'm like dude only thing i'll do is preach and we'll see what happens it's going to settle out i don't know man same thing on them um, thursday nights the several saturday nights um in africa i don't know i was like i don't there's a lot of crazy stuff i can't fix all this stuff it's not going to get fixed if you want it fixed you're going to have to go somewhere else and it's not going to offend me but um it's going to settle out somewhere i, I don't know and i think somehow our sanctification grows during those processes as is where it's it's when you got chaos in the system, it's, it's, it's crazy. It can get kind of crazy. and I don't know. So I think that's one thing I've learned. But um, I do know this. Um, I feel very confident that wherever you go. Listen, it's the same thing. Let's go to Silverdale St. Uh, Elmo. Um, we, um, I'm not going to go into details, but uh, we had no really intentions of preaching, doing anything there. And I was like, man, talking to Pastor Tony, I'm like, I want to, I'm going to start there. I'm going to preach there. And, uh, man, Pastor Tony's an amazing man, and he's like, yeah, you go, go do that, and let's do that. But what I had the greatest of confidence, not in my ability, but the fact that if you plant yourself and start preaching the gospel, God starts saving. It's mm -hmm. just a, I need to be careful. I realize there's some places they're very difficult, and that won't happen, and, and, I'm, and then I by no means want to beat down or anyone feel depressed because they're in a situation where they're faithfully preaching, but there's not growth. But I do believe oftentimes that if you plant yourself and you preach the gospel faithfully, people get saved. I do want to, once again, asterisk. Doesn't all, I understand it doesn't always happen. There's people in some very difficult places, and they're preaching faithfully, and, and nothing's happening. But I, had, I felt very sure that something would, would happen there. So anyway, I hope that doesn't discourage anybody. I want to encourage people. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you nailed the a nail on the head. However, that's uh, a yeah. is said. Uh, Hit the nail on the head. There, there you, you go. go. It's been a one long thing day. I've discovered also, and uh, we're all designed differently. Um, but oftentimes, um, if you are someone who needs a pat on the back, that kind of stuff probably is something you don't want to get involved in, um, um, because it's uh, you don't necessarily. I get lots of pats on the back, by the way. I'm not saying I don't. But I'm just saying, uh, if if you need a lot of affirmation, get into some of these difficult these places like that. You're not necessarily going to, and it's why it can be hard. It can be hard. So anyway, just passing it on. You can cut that out if you want to. But uh, I've just noticed, you know, certain people are designed to work in certain situations, and other the others weren't. Anyway, it's true. I only have one last question. Hey, by the way, you're about to get married, and here's the cool thing about marriage. Yes. And you are married, um, mm -hmm. um, and I'm married. That it's so cool because I can go to a situation. Maybe um, it didn't go the way I anticipated. It's always comforting knowing I'm still coming home to someone that loves me. Absolutely. <laughs> and so it, doesn't, it, it helps a lot. Yes, it does. If you're single and people beating you down, you're like, I just need to beat down. <laughs> so, so true. I mean, animals are nice, but they, they don't you know, encourage you that much. So one thing you say a lot is it's, uh, it's for God's glory and your joy. Yeah. 
Where'd that come from? Well, that's not new, man. That's oh, not yeah. new. It's been around for a long time. Uh, you know, it begins with the Puritans and uh, even before that, but it's just the whole thing. We are created, one, primarily um, to give God glory and enjoy Him forever. So our joy is tied with His glory. So when we give Him glory, that is where we receive our most, most, most joy. Our joy is not received from um, things other than pursuing Him, glorify Him, seeking Him, worshiping Him, exalting Him, submitting to Him, and obeying Him. And in those things is where our joy, our deep joy, our real joy um, is, 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 is found, I believe. And it can almost seem, and people don't necessarily see it this way, it can almost seem selfish. So I get my greatest joy by giving him glory, right? So it's kind of, man, I want to glorify God at work. Why are you going to glorify God at work? Well, I want to free the glory, but I know if I'm giving him the glory, I will also receive my most joy. And so, you know, that's just his glory, my joy. I believe that this just, and also I say that a lot, I began saying that years ago for many reasons, but one reason is I believe that people, Christians, don't, don't live that way. They don't believe mm-hmm. that. They don't understand that. So um, by saying that, I, I hope it triggers um, God's glory, my joy. Um, and so they're just linked anyway. There are people who can say it a lot better than me, man. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, yeah, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's, it's good, man. I've, I've started saying it. I hope here so. There, it's See, just, I want everyone to say great. it. Here's it gets it gets weird. I know some people who say it, but um, I think some people in my circles and like you, you might be, um, re- you may not want to say it sometimes because you think, you know, if I say that, they're gonna think I'm just copying Travis mm. or something like that. Man, don't don't. I'm copying people. I didn't originate that. So uh, and so and I know some other guys who use it. No, they'll, 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 they'll tell me, hey, Travis, I'm saying this. I know you say it or whatever. I'm like, dude, I didn't invent it. There's some great theologians. Um, man, the, the Puritans specifically, but the, the, just this whole inner John Piper has beautiful yeah. stuff on it. And um, and so, yeah, I, I stole it. Um, stole it. I just believe it, so I repeat it. And I think more of us should. Um, just that whole ideal that our joy is found in giving him glory. Um, yeah, it's just there. And you want to start throwing out terms and be careful because you start throwing out some terms, theological terms, and immediately people shut their ears off. So you just stay away from all that stuff. But the point is, it's there. Um, I think in my life, even when you get to, say, the mission field, you know, people people all like, man, they're like, oh, man, it's such a sacrifice. Dude, there ain't no sacrifice. I ain't done no sacrificing. And I, I have yet to... Man, one time I shared an Oreo. That was a sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I ain't been no sacrificing for the Lord. Man, every bit of it was pure joy, deep, abiding, real joy. It's ridiculous, man. I remember one time. I remember one time. Listen, I'm sitting there. It's so goofy. I get this pierced in my head. I remember one time I had to find a new house in Dar es Salaam. And I was sitting there, and I was pity party. Pity party. I ain't gonna get no good house. Blah 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 blah. And I remember the Lord saying, "What are you talking about, fool?" He didn't quite say it that way. <laughs> have I ever not given you a good house? Have I ever not taken care of you? Why are you sitting there, just brooding like a big old goofball? And I'm like, 
you're right, Jesus, you're right. And you know what he did? He gave me a fat house, dude. It was beautiful. You know what I'm saying? But I do remember for a, a short time, it consumed my day. I was like, oh, you know, this ain't going to work out. Hmm. Anyway, so there you go. I know I said a lot, so I don't know if any of it's helpful, and you could edit it all down, and it may be helpful because I don't want to say anything that's unhelpful. Well, I think it's all great. Was. One last thing. Yes. Is there a verse or passage that's relevant to where you are right now? Man, you always throw all that stuff out. Um, you know, you can say all of it. Um, some of my favorite uh, verses, um, too, um, and I... Well, you know, I can't even write. The, first, remember all the addresses, but first, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God, man, that says it all. There is a God, I'm not him. He's got a plan, he creates, he made, we sit, we, 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 we are, he's in control. He's got a plan, he's got a purpose. Um, then one of my favorite verses always is um, when Thomas looks at Jesus and says, my Lord and my God. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. My Lord and my God, right? And so uh, I just love it, the realization of who he is. And I think if you're a Christian, you said the exact same thing. When you realize and God, by his spirit, convicts you of your sin, you repent of it, and you call out, you believe in the person and works of Jesus Christ, you say, save me, and you're like, my Lord and my God. And it's deep. You didn't place it there. He, this, that, no, it sank. He got you. He saved you. And you're in his hands, and it's that submission that you're going to work through your whole life because, you know, you, you, yeah. It's, it's anyway, that's until he takes us home, but yeah. Thank you for listening to the Mountain and Valley podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. Just search for underscore MV podcast on any platform. Again, that's underscore M as in mountain, V as in valley podcast. This podcast was created and produced by Kip Wilkinson and Michael Horvath. All of our original music was written and produced by the talented Robert Luther. This episode was mixed and mastered by J.A. Parkey. Thank you so much for listening. Now go tell your story.